This Day in History class is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello, and welcome to This Day in History class, a show that proves there's more than one way to make history. I'm Gabe Luzier, and today we're talking about an almost perfect crime that left investigators baffled for the better part of a decade. The day was January 17th, 1950. A group of armed robbers stole more than $2 million from the Brinks Armored Car Depot in Boston, Massachusetts. The FBI referred to the heist as the crime of the century, and though it only took the criminals about half an hour to pull it off, solving the case would take law officials nearly six years. The idea for the crime came from Joseph Big Joe McGinnis, but career criminal Anthony Fats Pino was the mastermind who put the idea into action. Pino recruited ten other men and had them watch the depot for 18 months to determine when it housed the most cash. Along the way, the gang was able to steal the schematics for the depot's alarm system, and then sneak them back in before anyone had noticed the plans were missing. They also removed the cylinders from the depot's door locks one by one, and then paid a locksmith to make them duplicate keys. The gang actually attempted the robbery six times over the course of nearly two years of planning, but these half-starts were always called off for one reason or another. Finally, on January 17, 1950, Pino and his men were ready for their seventh and final attempt. The gang tried to approximate the uniforms of Brink's employees by wearing navy blue peacoats and chauffeur's caps. They concealed their identities by donning Halloween masks and silencing their footsteps with rubber shoe covers. They had no trouble entering the depot, thanks to those copied keys. At 6.55 p.m., seven of the gang members headed for the company's counting room, while the others kept watch. The thieves caught five employees off guard and bound and gagged them face down on the floor. Then, the men proceeded to fill 14 canvas bags with half a ton of cash, coins, checks, securities, and money orders. The loot totaled more than $2.7 million, the largest theft in U.S. history at that time. It took the men just over 30 minutes to get all the money loaded onto the getaway truck, and then they disappeared into the night. None of the Brinks employees were harmed in the robbery, but they still weren't much help in identifying the culprits. The thieves had left very few leads for investigators to follow. There was the rope and the tape used to bind the employees, and there was one discarded chauffeur cap. Not much to go on. Boston police and the FBI interviewed hundreds of people who lived and worked in the area. They also questioned known criminals, but to no avail. Eventually, the gang's green truck was found cut into pieces in the nearby town of Stoughton, but it proved to be a dead end as well. Meanwhile, the crooks did their own part to stall the investigation. They made a pact to go their separate ways, keep a low profile, and use their money sparingly to avoid drawing attention. If they could keep the heat off for six full years, 
then the statute of limitations for the theft would expire, and the gang would be home free. That may sound like a long shot, but they probably would have made it, if not for one gang member who just couldn't keep his mouth shut. Joseph Spex O'Keefe had been convicted of an unrelated burglary, and he left his share of the Brink score with another member of the gang while he served his time. O'Keefe didn't take well at a life behind bars and began writing angry letters to his fellow thieves, demanding that they send him money and implying that he might come clean about the heist if they didn't. When O'Keefe got out of prison, Fats Pino sent a hitman to bump him off. The hitman fired at O'Keefe with a machine gun in the Dorchester neighborhood of Boston, but he only managed to wound his target. With nothing left to lose, O'Keefe cut a deal with the FBI and testified against his former partners in crime. By that time, one of the 11 gang members was already dead, and two others were already incarcerated for different crimes. The remaining eight were captured in January of 1956, just five days before the statute of limitations was set to expire. They were later convicted and sentenced to life in prison. As for that $2.7 million, only about 58,000 of it was ever recovered. A good deal of the rest was likely spent by the thieves over the course of their six years on the lam, but the majority is still unaccounted for. It's rumored to be buried somewhere in the hills north of Grand Rapids, Minnesota, so if you ever find yourself in the area, you might want to bring a shovel. I'm Gabe Luzier, and hopefully you now know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If you'd like to keep up with the show, you can do that by following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TDIHCshow. And if you have any comments or suggestions for historical events you'd like to see covered on the show, you can write to us at thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks to Chandler Mays for producing the show, and thanks to you for listening. I'll see you back here again tomorrow for another day in history class. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.